Well, good morning, Coastline. Let's address the elephant in the room. Pastors Aaron isn't here, and I'm on stage. But good news is I'm not doing the message, right? I just want to take a moment and welcome everybody online and in person. We're so glad to have you. We have not one, but three very special guests. And I say guests, but they are actually very close family. And they've put a lot of work to bring you an awesome message, three awesome messages this morning, actually. So would you stand and help me welcome uh, John, Michelle, and Greg. Well, good morning. What a uh, awesome uh, introduction, and thank you very much for the standing ovation. If you're, if you're concerned about that going to my head, you don't need to worry about it. Yesterday before I left for the evening service, I did like a little wardrobe check with my wife, and I was like, you know, uh, hey, how's this looking? Is this going to be okay? It was a little bit of a different uh, ensemble. And, uh, and she said, well, you know, I think it's a bold choice to go with a zipper that's down. And I was like, oh man. So God keeps me humble. God keeps us humble. We, uh, we are very excited to be with, with you this morning. And I'm just going to give you a little preview of how this morning's going to go. I'm going to set the bar really low at the beginning. And uh, we are going to get into a little bit of an introduction and the first point of the message. And then I'm going to turn it over to Michelle. And then she's going to raise that bar. And it's going to be like a roller coaster as we just climb to the top when Greg comes on. And the hands are going to go up. And we're just going to enjoy that exceptional time at the end as Greg brings us home. So uh, we're so thankful uh, that you guys uh, are here today. And we're really honored to be able to be up here. We know this church is filled with talented people of all sorts who love the Lord, and I've been in so many freedom groups to know that there are plenty of awesome teachers up here, so we are humbled to be here today and to be sharing uh, with you. Uh, well, uh, we are in the Life of Christ series, and uh, let me go ahead and introduce you to the text today. It's very, in fact, it's the exact same text, if I'm not mistaken, that Greg shared on just yesterday morning. So that was a great introduction to what we're doing. Uh, but let's go ahead and look at our text today from Luke chapter 13. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so we have this uh, sort of mysterious growth that is happening, uh, both this little tiny seed growing into something great and this yeast, which 600 pounds, or I'm sorry, 60, I went a little big there, 60 pounds of flour, right? That's a lot of flour, but again, it just doesn't take much to, to yeast to work its way through an entire amount that large. Uh, so let's address beforehand this idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven before we jump into our first point this morning. One of the things that Mark Turnage, one of the voices, the main voice of the Life of Christ series, uh, has been sharing in terms of what is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And he talks about it as being the rule or reign or a rule and reign of God in our lives. And if you think about a kingdom, every kingdom has some things in common, right? There's a king. There's a territory that is ruled over. There are citizens that 
are part of that kingdom, uh, and there is a way in which that kingdom is advanced. And what Jesus does is take our eyes off of the physical, because we kind of see the kingdoms around us and you know, the United States or Canada or Mexico or whatever it would be, and that's the terms that we think of. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's not about a physical kingdom. There's something spiritual going on. The king is not an earthly ruler. He is the king above all kings. He is the Father God. And when Jesus dies, resurrects, and ascends to heaven, he is seated on the throne next to the Father. And so they are somewhat co-regents of the kingdom of heaven. The territory of this kingdom really is the heavenlies, right? Everything that is there is done in the will of God perfectly. In fact, the Lord's Prayer shares this with us because our prayer is that, the, that His will will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. In heaven, His will is done perfectly, and that's, how our, that's what our desire is, that God's will would be done on earth that exact same way. And so we have the territory in heaven where angels and the saints who've gone before us dwell with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And then here on earth, we are also citizens and part of, of that kingdom. In the same way that uh, like the United States has embassies all over the world, and it's as though you're stepping on U.S. soil when you step into one of those embassies. In the same way, we carry around that light of Jesus Christ. And we, as Paul says, are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are citizens in heaven. We, yes, we may be citizens of the United States. Yes, we might be the citizens of another country, but supreme and over that all, we are citizens of heaven. That is our first allegiance, and we must do the will of God. And so we see that in Scripture when people like Daniel or Peter are asked to violate their beliefs in God for the sake of obeying the authorities on earth, and they all say, what, should, I, what, should I worship you or obey you over God? Like, I've got to obey God first. And so, so we see that as our first and primary uh, idea for, for being called as a citizen of heaven. And then the purpose, as we mentioned, is for God's will to be done in our lives and in the way that we approach other people, loving others, right? Uh, putting others first, loving our neighbor and, and, and uh, elevating God in all that we do. And then the advancement of that kingdom. Jesus says this very clearly in the Great Commission when he says, go into all the world and make disciples. And so that's what's really been on our pastor's heart recently, and it's been on our church's heart, that we need to be about making disciples, people who truly love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and are willing to take their will and set it to the side, their hopes, their dreams, and say, Lord, I want you to fill me with your hopes and your dreams for my life. Because my life might be pretty great if I follow my hopes and dreams, but my life will be awesome if I set those things aside and allow you to fill me with your hopes, your dream, your will in my life. This is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is to work the will of God the Father and the Son and the Spirit in our lives as we uh, move through this world. So, I'm just going to open with a very short prayer and say, Lord, uh, we pray that your words today will produce hearts of faith and actions of faithfulness. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, let's get to that first point. The first point of our message today is it starts small. And uh, that's the picture of that mustard seed, right? That very small thing that we, that we start with. 
Uh, I remember when my firstborn, uh, I've got three girls, and my oldest, when she was born, uh, it was three, three weeks before the delivery date. And uh, back in those days, I had the pager. I was explaining this to my daughter, and she thought it was bizarre. You, you didn't have a cell phone? I, no, I had a pager, and I was waiting for that. And, you know, hopefully like a 411 saying, hey, call me when you can, not a 911, you need to call me now. And so uh, I get the 911 and they've already admitted her into the hospital after her, you know, checkup because they're like, you're preeclamptic, this baby needs to be delivered now. It's kind of a scary time, right? We got in, uh, our daughter Abigail was born healthy. Uh, I got to check my, my numbers here. I'm horrible with numbers. So yes, five pounds, four ounces. It's not something that just stays in my brain, sorry. But uh, five pounds, four ounces, and I just remember thinking how small she was. Who is this little, you know, angelic creature that has, you know, come forth into this world? And, you know, I could hold her like on just the forearm, and she was so tiny, so precious. The, the little fingers, the little fingernails, it was like, and now we're responsible for this little creature. This is amazing. So small. And yet she has grown and just a month ago, she brought into this world uh, our grandson. Uh, December 28th, Joshua was born, and uh, he came into the world, and he's a little guy, right? And it's like this small little thing becomes something that is producing and is growing, and then, you know, one baby has another baby, right, it seems, in, in a sense. And, and one of the coolest things of her pregnancy with our, with our grandson was there was this app that she got on her phone. I'd never seen anything like it, but it was pretty awesome. Uh, she was able to like say, this is uh, my, the date that the doctors have given me for when the baby's due. And then it would show a picture on there uh, of a little tiny little baby uh, in vitro. And uh, you could kind of hold it up to kind of get an idea of how big the child was in the womb as it was growing. And so it, it finally got so big that it kind of filled the whole screen and went beyond it, but it was just really amazing to kind of get that visual of this little, tiny, little baby that's growing into something magnificent. And so everything that we see in this world starts with something small, and, and God is, Jesus is tying into that. Uh, and we get to that time where the, our child is like riding their bike, and we're like, where is the time going? Like just yesterday, they were learning to walk. And then we see that child, you know, going into to high school and they're, you know, having their own, you know, way of doing life and everything. It's like, where did the time go? I used to, to tuck them in and, and cuddle them. And, and then, you know, they're 30 years old living in the basement. You're like, they're growing up so fast. It's just so amazing, right? No, but um, that, that idea of, and this actually kind of broke my heart when my daughter shared this with me. But she said, you know, Dad, Mom, I, I saw this quote, and I thought it was really, you know, kind of interesting, and maybe you guys would like it. Um, uh, there is a time when you pick your child up for the last time and, and hold them in your arms. And I was like, oh, that's devastating. <laughs> like, to think that there's, like, a time when I would pick my child up and hold them in my arms, and then it's like, no, now, now they're just too big. And you don't really consciously realize when that happens. It, it just happens. That, that thing that's so small turns into something large. Well, I've got a picture to share with you, a little show and tell here of a mustard seed and of mustard plants as they grow wild in uh, the country of Israel. And so on the right-hand side here, or your left-hand side, sorry, the left-hand side, we've got this little yellow mustard seed, and you can see how small it is. Now, is it the tiniest of all seeds? It's the smallest agricultural seed. I guess 
the tobacco seed is, is considered the only one that's really smaller, but no one knew about tobacco back in those days. And, uh, but other than that, I mean, as far as agricultural plants go, it is the smallest of seeds. And Jesus is drawing our attention to this can be something mighty. This can be something amazing because they know it was very common in that area to see these mustard seeds pop up like weeds all over the place uh, and, again, be so large that, you know, birds could, could perch and make their nests in them. And what Jesus is drawing here, because uh, some people kind of wonder, like, is Jesus drawing to the idea that, that it becomes like a tree? Is he drawing to the fact that these birds come and nest in it? Because sometimes birds have a negative connotation in the Bible and some of Jesus' other parables. But it seems as though he's really just kind of contrasting the smallness of the mustard seed. How do we know this? Well, back in the day, there was a common idiom about being small as a mustard seed. So today, and I honestly think this is more in my dad's era than, than our era, but you know, you might say when you see someone's child, you're like, oh, wow, you've grown up so much. Uh, you know, last time I saw you, you were knee high to a grasshopper. I don't, does anyone even say that anymore? But okay, you've, some of you have heard that. Nehi to a grasshopper. Well, back in those days, you might say, oh, last time I saw you, you were no bigger than a mustard seed. This was the idiom that was used. Here's some of the Jewish uh, rabbis uh, teaching about it. In the Mishnah, it says that an impurity the size of a mustard seed pollutes the entire kneading trough, like where someone makes some bread, if there's even one impurity as big as a mustard seed. That's what the Mishnah says. The Babylonian Talmud uh, says that a drop of blood no larger than a mustard seed is enough to violate and make someone impure. Even uh, the, it, there's an Arab proverb that says that no mustard seed slips from the hand of a miser, saying that even a small little mustard seed, you know, someone who's really uptight with their finances and everything, they're, they're going to make sure that not even one of those drops. And so this idea of a mustard seed being this small little thing is what Jesus is tying into. And he's saying, it's okay to be small. It's okay to start small. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts off small. It starts off insignificant. And then it grows. It becomes something amazing. And so I just want to put this into your thought process as we get going. You know, here, here God has made these amazing little seeds little hard casing on the inside, and there is a little sprout in there covered with nutrients, and it is ready to grow. All it needs to be, to be done is to drop it in a moist little bit of dirt, and that thing is going to start to move. And in the same way, our lives are like these little seeds. They're already packed with nutrients. They're already ready to go, and all God wants to do is let you have his way with you, and he is ready to make that grow in your life. Now, some of us may say, for me, what it means to be too small is I'm too young. I'm too young to, to, to do this stuff that, you know, they talk about in church. I'm too old. Like the time has passed for me. If I was a, you know, young go-getter, maybe I'd do it then. I've got too much baggage. You know, if I just didn't have the life that I've, I mean, you don't know the baggage that I'm holding on to right now. Uh, I'm just too busy. I don't have the time in my life to get invested in something like the kingdom of God and the way that we're teaching about it here at this church. I just want you to consider a few people in the Bible. Moses, 80 years old when he meets Jesus, when he meets God at the burning bush, 80 years young, and God is going to make him into something amazing to lead the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt. And he had so many excuses not to get involved in that. And God said, no, trust me, you need to follow me and do as I'm leading you. And Moses becomes this amazing 
uh, figure in the Old Testament. King David, a little shepherd boy, right? The youngest of all of his brothers, and God pulls him out of that to kill giants and to be king of Israel. Peter, a fisherman, when he sees the miracles that God does, in fact, he begs him to depart from him. He says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. I can't, my faith is too small for this. And Jesus says to him, it only takes the faith of a mustard seed, and you can move mountains. You can rip trees out. Like, you don't know what it, just a small little bit, and God can do amazing things. It starts off small. All right, John preaching this morning. Okay, I feel that. All right, good morning, Coastline. Um, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. We're going to continue talking about the kingdom of heaven, and I'm, I'm grateful to you, Pastor Aaron and the team, for the, the chance to come up here and, and chat with you. So John, who did an amazing job kind of laying the foundation for us, the kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God in our lives. Amen? And it starts small. And I was sitting over there wondering if I was getting some short jokes thrown my way, but I think it's actually biblical, right, that it starts small. So I'm going to take you to the next step, which is the kingdom of heaven expands invisibly. Now, I don't want anyone to freak out. We're not going into fantasy, science fiction, what's Michelle talking about? What we're talking about here is the kingdom of heaven sometimes advances in ways that we can't see. We like to see results. If we start doing something, if we put a plan into action, I want to see something happen, right? If I'm going to do this, I, I want to see some results come from it. But here Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of heaven sometimes advances so incrementally that we can't see it. We just have to trust that it's happening. And like John was talking about the birth of his daughter, I have two kids. My son is now 14. And sometime last year, I called him over because I needed to talk to him about something. I'm like, Brett, come here. And I went like this, and then I went like that. Because he had grown so much. He was so much taller than me. And again, that's not a huge feat. I'm not that big to begin with. But it felt like it had happened overnight. And yet he had been growing slowly, day by day. And I just didn't notice it until I had to make him sit down so I could yell at him. So the kingdom of heaven advances invisibly at times. And the Apostle Paul tells us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, when he writes, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is telling us to fix our eyes not on the results, but on him. Amen? So to illustrate this, I want to share a little story with you. If you will imagine with me a man who decides to be a farmer. He's done with city life, done with the rat race. So he goes out and he buys a farm, lots of acreage, going to be a farmer. Decides he's going to plant corn. Excellent choice. So he plows up his field, sows the corn seed, covers it with dirt, goes to bed that night dreaming about corn on the cob, wakes up the next morning, runs out to his backyard, looks out over the field and sees dirt not a corn stalk anywhere. So he says, well, clearly corn is not the way to go. I shall plant wheat instead. Plows up his field, destroys the corn seed that he planted, plants wheat instead, covers it with dirt, goes to bed that night dreaming about fresh baked bread, 
wakes up the next morning, runs out to his backyard, looks out over his field and sees dirt. Audience participation, thank you. And says, well, obviously I'm not meant to be a wheat farmer. So once again, he destroys his wheat seed, plows up his field and says, I'm going to plant apple trees. I shall be like Johnny Appleseed, I will have an orchard. So he sows apple seeds, covers it with dirt, goes to bed that night, dreams about apple pie, wakes up the next morning, looks out over his field and sees dirt. Not a tree in sight, not even a seedling. So the man says, well, I'm obviously not meant to be a farmer. Sells his farm, moves back to the city, lives unhappily ever after the end. Now, what did the farmer miss? Now, my family will tell you, I am not a gardener. I'm not a farmer. My house is where plants go to die. My children are alive and well, but I lack the skills necessary to keep plants alive. It, I don't know why, it's just, it's just the way that I'm built. But even I know that seeds require time to grow. You plant a seed, you do the hard work of caring for the seed, and then you are patient to allow the seed time to grow. The kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God in your life is the same. It takes hard work and it takes time. See, we want to see results and we want to see it right now. If I'm going to do something, I want it to happen, and I want it to happen according to my timetable. This farmer gave up because the harvest didn't come in when he wanted it to come in. The harvest didn't come in according to his schedule, according to his timetable, and when it didn't happen according to his timing, he decided there must be something wrong, and he gave up. He gave in to discouragement and abandoned the seeds that he planted now, the Apostle Paul again speaks to this, this time in 1 Corinthians, when he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The seeds you are planting in the kingdom of heaven are not in vain vain. When you think nothing's happening because you can't see what's happening, that means God is at work in a place you can't see. This farmer couldn't see the seeds sprouting underground, and yet they were growing. So my question is, how often have we destroyed the seeds we've planted in our life because the timing didn't happen the way we wanted it to? Are you mad at me? Have you started praying about something and after a day or two days or a week and nothing happened, you were like, well, that's obviously not meant to be. I'm just going to give up. Here we are in January. We started our one year through the Bible app. Have you started reading the Bible? And we're coming up, I'm warning you now, we're coming up on cubits and tabernacles and names we can't pronounce. Are we going to get to that point and say, it's confusing, it's hard, I'm obviously not meant to do this, I'm out. When you're in your connect group and people start asking hard questions, is it suddenly going to become inconvenient and I, I'm not going to be part of that group anymore? 
Are we hopping from field to field to field, always looking for something new, always looking for something to happen when we're overlooking the simple step of doing the hard work and being patient? And growth sometimes is uncomfortable. If you think about those little baby seeds that got planted, it probably wasn't super comfortable to get buried in the dirt, and then they got to split open, and the little root goes down, and then they got to dig their way through the, the dirt to sprout. Probably not comfortable. Our Christian growth is not going to be comfortable. God is not calling us to be comfortable. He's calling us to be closer to Him. Amen? When things get uncomfortable, I would challenge you, instead of giving up and running away, press deeper. If you're reading the Bible and you come to a point, you're like, I don't understand what they're saying. That's not time to give up. It's time to get a dictionary. Friends, you've heard Pastor Aaron say that 2021 is a year of discipleship. This is a year we're being called to move closer to God. This is a year that we are being called to go all in, to plant those seeds and then do the hard work of tending them, to do the hard work and to be patient. The harvest is coming if we will persevere, if we will stand firm. Let nothing move you. If you're struggling to pray, well, Greg has a class for that. I encourage you to sign up. If you're struggling with how to read the Bible, there is going to be a class for that as well. If you're ready to go deeper into the life of Christ, like you are just digging this and you want more of it, Pastor Aaron's teaching a class on that this quarter. We have freedom groups. We have life of Christ groups. We have connect groups. We have go teams. We have a place for you to serve. We have a place for you to go deeper in your faith. And it's not too late. Jump online. Sign up now. Go visit the hub. Come talk to any of us at the end of the service. This is your year for a harvest. Plant your seed, do the hard work, and stand firm. Amen? All right, Coastline. I'm going to turn it over to Greg. So he is going to bring us home. So would you please welcome our prayer team captain and my friend, Greg Atkins. All right, all right. Well, two of them were good. I seriously feel like I can just go home now. Like, this is, this is it. I've learned what I needed to learn, right? <laughs> Did someone say lean in? <laughs> nice. And so... You learn from John that the kingdom of heaven starts small and expands. We learn from Michelle that the kingdom of heaven grows invisibly. And now we're going to talk about how the kingdom of heaven grows naturally. So let's take a moment to define the word naturally. In the Webster's Dictionary, natural means existing or caused by nature, not made or caused by humankind. Definition number two. In agreement with the character or makeup of someone or something. Now, let's compare that to the word ordinary. Ordinary is without no special or distinctive features, normal. So now the question you probably has is, why is he up here going all full nerd on the words naturally and ordinary? Well, the reason why is because there are certain things 
that the Lord does on a daily basis. And because he does it so consistently, because he does it so often, we write off what's his natural. We write it off as ordinary. Right. And so an example for that is a sunrise or a sunset. Right. No matter what, the sun's going to rise. And no matter what, the sun is going to set. And the thing is, if you take a moment just to see either one of the two, if you take a moment to watch a sunset, then the thing you quickly realize is that a sunset is nowhere near ordinary. A sunset is extraordinary. God's natural, God's nature is extraordinary. And so um, I remember driving down a hill and I was headed east and I had a moment to actually catch a sunset. And it was so awesome, so fantastic to me that all I could do was just say, glory, hallelujah, because I didn't have any other words. I went full Baptist and I wasn't even raised that way. I don't even know how that happened. Right. But that's what God's that's an expression of God's nature. God's natural. And how many of us know that we want God's natural more than we want our own natural? What's according to our own nature, right? Another example of that is a painting of a sunset. You can take the best painting of a sunset in the history of paintings of sunsets, and at the very best, it's going to be remarkably close. At the very best. And in this situation, God's still going to get some of the glory, right? We're going to go, wow, God, get the, if you believe in God, right? God, get this person with this amazing ability to get this remarkably close. God is the master architect, the master artist. God is the creator. And what a wonderful thing he must have created for this person to be able to emulate that and get that close. But at the end of the day, even if the picture is, the portrait is so good that you want to stand there for hours and look at it, you're still going to want to see the real thing. At some point, you're going to want to see the real thing. And 10 times out of 10, the real thing is going to be better than the portrait, right? And so we want the sunset. We don't want the painting. Amen? And so, again, you're probably asking yourself a, uh, a question, right? Why is he talking about nature? Why is he talking about natural when we're supposed to be talking about the kingdom of God? And the reason why is because, uh, one, God says in technology, Paul says in Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. When we look at God's, what, what God can do, when he's not sharing the glory, when he's just doing his thing the way he would do it, right, is something that we cannot take credit for. It's something that's amazing. And we have to all understand that because every single last one of us is trying to do something that we do not know how to do. It can be saving a marriage. It can be being the best spouse you can be. It can be being a parent, starting a business, running a business, saving a business in the middle of an economic downturn. It doesn't matter what it is. We're all trying to do something that's extraordinary, something that's beyond our nature, beyond our ordinary abilities. And the only way that we're going to, and pardon me, let's go back. And God is using all of those things to grow the kingdom of heaven. God is using all of those things to bring other people to him. And that's not ordinary. 
God said to go out and make disciples of all the nations. That's not a normal thing that we can do. We need the Lord. And the only way we're going to be able to pull this off is if we align ourselves with God's nature. If we allow God to do what's natural for him and not what's natural for us. Right. When Jesus was talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven, the message of the kingdom of heaven, the slogan of the kingdom of heaven was in direct opposition to the nature of his audience. They wanted to be freed from Rome, which was one of the most brutal, powerful, dominant empires in history. That's not ordinary. And when they tried to do ordinary things, they failed, we know, because it's recorded in history. It's important to know that Jesus was not the first revolution to be started in, during that time period. As a matter of fact, there were at least three. People would be charismatic, they would raise up leaders, and they would call people to arms and say, let's pick up the sword and let's fight for our freedom because that's the same way that we lost it. And when they tried to do what was natural for them and accomplish something extraordinary with their ordinary ability without God's blessing, they lost time and time and time again. And so then you insert Jesus, and Jesus comes along and he says things like, be humble, be meek, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, right? Repent, pray for those who persecute you, and doing those things. Do they sound familiar? Love God, love one another. And by loving God, by not picking up the sword and fighting, you're actually fighting for your redemption. That's how you're going to bring about your freedom. That's how you're going to be politically freed from Rome. <laughs> If you, I'm going to be real. If you slap me in that time period without the New Testament, without all the 2,000 years that have gone by so people can educate me, I would have been like, where is King David's other heir? Right? He has to, he has to have missed James, right? What about that James kid? He has a little bit more fight in him, right? But what was, what was Jesus trying to do? He was answering the question because that's the question that everybody had. How? How can we fight by not fighting? And his answer yesterday is the same thing that it is today and the same thing that it will be tomorrow. Jesus knew who he was, who he is, and who he will always be. The Messiah, the Lord's anointed. He gave us the opportunity to have the right relationship with the Lord because of what he did for us on the cross. And because of that, because he did that, the kingdom of heaven is upon us. The kingdom of heaven, that's how we can do things that are counterintuitive to the world and have success because God is doing it on our behalf, right? That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for, we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The NIV translation says, though we are in the world, we don't wage war the way the world does. We don't fight the way the world fights, right? We get to know the Bible. We get to know the Word of God, and if you don't know how to read the Bible and get to know the Word of God because of cubits and names that you can't pronounce, Michelle is teaching a class on how to read the Bible so that you can learn how to do that, right? And we pray, and we spend time with God, and if you want to know how to, how to pray in alignment with God's will and His character and know His heart for your situation, there's a prayer class on that, right? Um, and what we have to understand is that in doing those things, in fighting the way that the Lord is telling us to fight, aligning ourselves with, our, with his will, right, by allowing the Holy Spirit to develop the Christ-like nature within us, we make available to us God's 
version of natural, which is so much better than our own. We get the real sunset, not the painting, right? And that's something that we have to understand now more than ever. One of the best things about this time period that we're living in that's divisive and that's crazy political is that God's people are praying, right? We saw this in 21 days of prayer. There were these eloquent, beautiful prayers over on the, uh, over in the chat box. Lord, please have your way. Lord, please reign. It is crazy right now. These people are crazy, right? It's crazy. Have your way. And guess what? That's not an ordinary ask. That's not something that we can pull off on our own. That's something that only the Lord can do. And when we recognize that it's the Lord doing the work, that is the Lord's power moving everything forward, then that's what allows us to be able to do what God is asking us to do, which is make disciples. Why? Because now we're authentic. Now we're not, now we're humble, right? Now we get to, again, like, be in God's power, be in God's presence, and do what only God can do. When you look at what Jesus was able to do, when he looked people in the face and he said, if you want to follow me, right, if you want to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross, a.k.a. the symbol for the worst kind of death, and follow me. And people said, okay. And they didn't say okay once, they kept saying okay, right? Why would somebody do that? Well, because Jesus was authentic. Jesus is and was and always will be who he said he was. And at every turn, we were able to see that. At every turn, it revealed his character and his nature. And this, in this case, we're not just talking about his power. We're talking about his love. Jesus loves us. God loved the world so much that he sent his son so that we can have a relationship with him that we'd never be able to earn and experience God's version of natural. So we can say to people, hey, come to Jesus. Yeah, you may have blown it. The only reason why I know you blew it is because I've blown it about a couple hundred times, like yesterday, recently. It's still fresh for me how much I've blown it, right? Jesus still loves you. He forgives you, and he's going to take this and turn it into something good. Amen? And so when we start thinking about the week and going forward, let's, uh, let's think about, let's ask the Holy Spirit, what are the things that we're holding on to? What are the things that we're just like white knuckling that we're trying to do in our own power, our own nature? What are the things that we need to give to God, insert into God's system so that he can do what he's going to do in it and bring you joy and affect everybody else that he's called you to affect? Amen.